Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. I am Sam Rosenberg. Today is Thursday, April 26th, 2018. I'm back on this podcast to talk about how the Sixers have reached the second round of the playoffs for the first time since the 2011-2012 season. They did it in an impressive fashion. They are the only Eastern Conference series in the first round that has already finished. They dispatched the Miami Heat in five games. Joel Embiid, the last time you heard me on here, I was recording this before the Wednesday, before last week's Game 3 in Miami, where Joel Embiid came back and proceeded to play the next three games of the series and finish off the Heat. I think in the last podcast, we were unsure when he was going to come back, if he was going to come back. He shocked everybody, came in that uh, Game 3. He was wearing the mask. Clearly, the mask was an issue for him. He started out pretty rusty, but... Man, he shook that rust off pretty quickly, and even though he was definitely uncomfortable with the mask on, broke a few of them, threw the mask down, there was a lot of drama with the mask, but inevitably, by the end of Game 3, he had a hell of a stat line, he'd put up 20 points, double-double, they dominated, and they came home with the win. Sixers just proceeded to win every single other game of the series. They won game four in Miami, which was very chippy, a game that they had so many fucking turnovers. They absolutely should have lost the game, but if anything, it tells you how good this Sixers team is, how solid they are with all of their stars, and the cohesion of all of these guys working together. We are talking a lot about how they've got two young guys with Simmons and Embiid. They don't have any playoff experience. Well, you got to sit back and look at guys like... J.J. Redick, Ilyasova, Bellinelli. Listen, Bellinelli's a champion, man. He's got a ring. He won one with the Spurs. He's been to the fucking the, the big stage before. This is, guy, this is a guy who's not scared of what's going on. So even though they are a young, inexperienced playoff team, they are romping through this first round, and they're putting the entire Eastern Conference on notice because right now... The only team in the Eastern Conference that's really sort of sticking out as sort of a, a a major hurdle to overcome is the Cavaliers. I know a lot of people want to throw the Raptors in there, but I mean, listen, there's a lot of things about the Raptors which could sort of, you know, talk yourself down to bringing them down to, like, I think the Sixers are a better team than the Raptors. Like, if the Raptors actually somehow beat the Cavaliers in round two, I think the Sixers can dispatch either Cleveland or Toronto for that matter. So this Sixers team just came in and took care of business. And now they are officially the talk of the league. Everybody's talking about Ben Simmons. They're talking about Joel Embiid. The sky is the limit. How far can they go? They're now favorites to get to the NBA Finals and represent the East. I mean, no one is coming out and saying that the Sixers can beat a team like the Warriors or the Rockets, but they've put everybody on notice because this team, to see what they've done, to see all of the things that have come together with how they've played, you know, the coaching. Now Brett Brown is finally getting sort of the recognition he deserves. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, the Sixers are the feel-good story of the season. They've definitely outperformed all expectations for this season. And, um, you know, one of the to go back to the veterans again, that's sort of something sneaky and underrated about, you know, all of these key veterans is, you know, guys like Ilya Sova and J.J. Redick, they're not too afraid of the moment. And when you have a guy like Ben Simmons who's facilitating and essentially acting like Magic Johnson, but he's not shouldering the scoring burden. And when you have a game like Game 5 where Joel Embiid, you know, listen, he had a nice night, but he didn't put up a lot of points. J.J. Redick led the, led the Sixers in scoring in, I think, three of the five games of this series. And the clincher in Game 5 was part of it. And listen, I've knocked J.J. Redick's clutch shooting. I've knocked his free throw shooting at the end of the game. 
he stepped up, man. He's made some huge shots, you know, he, he some gigantic free throws at the end of the game. I mean, he has really, really, really delivered on that $23 million contract. My God, he's earned every single penny of it, and I hope he continues to earn more as they go further into the playoffs. Um, it's just an exciting team to watch. You know, when they get when they go down by five or ten points, I have every expectation they're going to figure out a way to get back into it. Um, and just like against uh, the Miami Heat in Game Five, where it felt like this was a chippy Miami Heat team, James Johnson was, you know, he and Goran Dragic were throwing, you know, they were they were swinging at Ben Simmons' head. There were technical fouls. There was a moment where Ben Simmons got his legs completely taken out from under him as he went up for a dunk, and he just came down and fell on his back and bounced up like a 21-year-old and just looked around and was like, no, I'm good, I'm good. And I'm sitting here going, Jesus, if anybody else fell like that, this could be a Patrick McCaw situation where he's being taken out of the stretcher and they don't know if he's going to walk again. Ben Simmons... Young kid, bounces off the ground. It's like nothing. Everybody was trying to get underneath his skin in this series. It just didn't work. And like that, even in Game 5, the Sixers were not shaken at all. I mean, we cannot articulate how much of sort of a stoic attitude that Ben Simmons has. This guy is not getting rattled. Okay, the Sixers, you know, they they toyed with the heat for the first half of Game 5, and then, like magic... Second half comes out, and they just start burying the Heat, just killing them, going up by 10, 15 points, and that's the whole game. I mean, that has been this Sixers team, and I mean, listen, I think the thing that I could probably, and look, I think the Heat played some great basketball. You know, Dwayne Wade won game two. He had his Dwayne Wade game. He couldn't really replicate it. He's, He's beyond the age of being able to replicate performances like that in the playoffs, and the truth is... The rest of their role players are chippy and they play hard, but it just wasn't enough to overcome this Sixers team. Olenek, Tyler Johnson, um, Josh Richardson, these guys played great minutes and really, I mean, Dragic, Dragic really stepped up. I thought he played, you know, there were some people who were knocking him, but I thought Dragic played some great minutes in this series. You can't overcome Hassan Whiteside being a non-factor. You can't overcome... You know, Whiteside and Bam Adebayo really not being able to control Joel Embiid throughout the second portion of the series. And then you start to think about Amir Johnson playing strong minutes. I mean, everybody in this team really came out and shined. And listen, everybody else in this league should be fucking hating the fact if they've got to go up against this Sixers team because... I mean, they are on a tear, and I think they're going to be a difficult matchup for anybody they go up against. And even if it's the Cavaliers, I think the Sixers can really, really take them down. And if they don't take them down, I'm talking a seven-game series. This is not going to be an easy out. You better get ready, man, because this Sixers team is here, and they are here to stay, and they're not going anywhere. The one thing I want to knock about the Sixers, or really specifically a player on the Sixers, is Markel Fultz. So with all of the excitement of the Sixers winning this first round, you know, it has sort of gotten a little buried under all of this that Markel Fultz has completely fallen out of the rotation. So game one of the series, the Sixers just, it was like a continuation of their winning streak. They just ran the heat right off the court. They did everything they did in the regular season during that 16-game winning streak, and it worked. And part of that was Fultz coming in to back up Ben Simmons. He came in and spelled him in the sec- in the, the end of the first quarter, in the beginning of the second quarter, did it again in the second half, in the beginning of the third quarter, in the, or end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth. Now, game two, the Sixers lose this game. This was a great adjustment by Miami. The defense ramped up. Dwayne Wade, as I mentioned, had that amazing game. And Markel Fultz's flaws really got exposed. He came out and spelled Ben Simmons at the end of the first quarter. But after that, 
Brett Brown never put him back on the floor, and we haven't seen him since. That's right. Markel Fultz got zero minutes in games three, four, and five, and I don't think we're going to see him for the rest of the playoffs because I think he's a bit of an experiment. And I think Brett Brown is willing to throw him out there to see what he can do if we can gain something from him. But when push came to shove and every possession mattered and they started to really have, they needed to have everything in their hip pocket, the truth is Brett Brown trusted TJ McConnell more. And as the series went on, all of those bench minutes went to TJ McConnell and Markel Fultz was sitting there clapping, being a cheerleader. I mean, listen... If anything, it tells you more about Fultz and more about his development. The guy clearly has a lot of upside, but he needs time to develop pieces of his game. And this stage, this might be something... Like, if if this stage is too big for any of these young guys, it's Markel Fultz. He's the guy who just... You know, what? I, I, could, I could look it up on Basketball Reference, but I think he played like 15 games all season. I mean, he really didn't play many more than that game than that many games. And, you know, you can't expect him to just step right in and, you know, be able to kind of know the offense and not have terrible turnovers and be responsible with the ball, you know, in a playoff scenario, especially when he can't shoot. You've already got Ben Simmons who can't shoot. It's hard to think that you can then throw Fultz in there who's also a guy who can't shoot. Um, All right, real quick. I think the Sixers are going to play the Boston Celtics in round two. Uh, so Boston and Milwaukee, uh, Boston, they're playing game six tonight in Milwaukee. Boston is up 3-2 after winning game five. Um, it's been a close series, but I actually think Boston and Milwaukee are both dog shit. I think both of those teams are dumpster fires. Uh, I mean, Milwaukee is essentially everything rises and falls with Giannis. I don't think they're coached very well. Um, I think they've got some other talent, but it's really just a... It's luck sometimes when they all sort of click together, when Jabari Parker actually, you know, puts up a lot of points to sort of alleviate for his bad defense, or Chris, and Chris Middleton has really been the guy who shined. I thought it was going to be Bledsoe, but it's been Middleton. And then you got the Celtics, who are an amazingly coached team, great team, who just don't have their two superstars. I mean, I know Gordon Hayward's been out all season, but... Not having Kyrie Irving right now is fucking killing them because I think they would have swept or beaten this Milwaukee team in probably, you know, four or five games. But now they're sitting here in a dogfight with Milwaukee and you've got and you're you're seeing how amazing Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are. And, you know, Terry Rozier has been playing like a superstar, but, you know, they got Marcus Smart back for the first time in game five and he was a huge difference maker. And I'm not saying anything bad about Marcus Smart. I'm just telling you that this was the guy. The Mar- a key rotational player for Boston was the difference maker, I think, in them winning game five. That's got to tell you where they are with their personnel. So, listen, I think Boston's going to come out. And Boston going up against Philadelphia, I mean, the star power and the talent of Philadelphia, I just think is going to overwhelm them. You know, I've been listening to the Ringer and all of these guys on the Ringer, and they keep saying, who's the best player in the series? Doesn't matter if it's on the if they're on the worst team, who's the best player in the series? And the truth is, the two best players in that series are going to be Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Both of them are better than all of the players on Boston. And you can do everything you want with Boston. They're going to throw different lineups at these guys. They're going to get chippy. Brad Stevens is going to do every, he's going to pull every single trick out of the book. But I think it's going to be a bit of a repeat of this series with Miami. Miami was coached by Eric Spolstra. He and Brad Stevens are some of the best coaches in the league. These are the guys who will come out and make playoff adjustments, who will come out and change lineups and throw specific things at teams. We saw the Sixers be able to deal with it against Miami, and I think they'll be able to deal with it against Boston. I don't think Boston's going to be able to muster up the scoring to take down the Sixers. I mean, right now, let's look at the matchups. Ben Simmons, Terry Rozier. 
I think Ben Simmons will play some stiff defense on him. Jalen Brown and J.J. Redick, I think Jalen Brown will actually probably win that matchup. Covington and Tatum, I actually think Covington is going to be able to get underneath Tatum's skin and probably be able to slow him down. And then you're looking at Saric with uh, Marcus Morris or possibly, you know, this this uh, this other guy. I don't even know the hell is, I don't even know his name. Uh, Ojeleby or something. He's been playing power forward for Boston. I mean, I... I still think, you know, Morris is probably a better matchup for Sarich. And then you've got Al Horford, you know, matched up with Joel Embiid. And I'm not saying anything bad about Horford, but Embiid's a beast, and I think he's going to get his. I mean, truthfully, I want to say the Sixers in six games just because I think Brad Stevens is a good enough coach to coach to at least get two wins out of that series. But, I mean, just looking at the talent, looking at the matchups, this could be done in five. This could be another Miami Heat situation where maybe they steal a game when Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have a magnificent performance. But in the end, I think the Sixers are going to overpower this team. I know Boston has been playing well all year, but without these stars, with the injuries they've dealt with, I mean, the Sixers, I think, are just going to steamroll them. It's probably going to be chippier than I think, but I do think the Sixers are going to steamroll them. Okay, let's talk about all the other playoff series that we've seen so far. So far... um, Four of the playoff series are done. Four of them are still in the mix. Let's go down the list. So Celtics-Bucks, I said, game six is tonight. Um, I don't really... The the Bucks have not really impressed me all that much. Chris Middleton has impressed me. I still think they're a team that's trying to figure out how to survive when Giannis is off the floor. Because as soon as he leaves the floor, they, they everything doesn't work for their team. Uh, and Boston, you know, they're an amazingly coached team with a bunch of role players. They're a bunch of guys who are, you know, uh, they're, they're, the sum of their parts are, are a lot, what is it, uh, um, they're, way, they're worth way more than the sum of their parts or something. I don't know the fucking phrase. I'm going to pull a Zach Lowe. I, I got to look it up. But Boston has really, really been impressive. The, the shocking thing is how then they've let Milwaukee come back and beat them when they've gone on the road. If anything, that shows you their lack of star power. The fact that they can take down a team like Milwaukee, where the best player on the court is Giannis Antetokounmpo, but it's not enough for them to overcome that he's the only good player on their team. Listen, this series has not been exciting to watch. No offense, Bill Simmons. I'm not a Celtics fan. I'm a Sixers fan. And, you know, I really haven't been paying too much attention to it. I don't want to. I think Boston's going to close them out in Milwaukee. It could go to a Game 7, knowing how shitty these teams are. Um, But I do think Boston's going to finish them off, and I think we'll probably have Game 1 in Boston against the Sixers this Saturday afternoon. Okay, Cavaliers-Pacers. Wow. So... If anything, the fact that the Pacers have been able to get this much on top of the Cavaliers is indicative of how bad the Cavaliers are this year. They are LeBron James and a whole bunch of shitty players. They're all old. There's no cohesion. The defense sucks. Um, it's, It's guys who have really played together for a couple of months. And then Kevin Love and J.R. Smith and a bunch of other guys who aren't even getting on the on the court. And this Pacer team is very tenacious. Listen, I think they are, they've been underrated all season. Oladipo has had an amazing year. Comeback player of the year, I think. Overachieved all expectations. You know, Miles Turner hasn't achieved as well as I think they'd hoped. Um, you know, but a lot of things about this Pacer team have really been working and have surprised people. And, you know, you got to give some credit to Nate McMillan as a coach. You know, he'd been out of the head coaching game for a while, and I think he's done a hell of a job with this Pacer team. And, If anything, it's telling you a lot about, again, how bad this Cavaliers team is because the Pacers stomped them in game one in Cleveland. And then LeBron had to use some heroics just to even it up in Cleveland. And then you you go to Indiana and the Pacers are able to take them out 
in uh, you know in game three, and then game four again the Pacers were winning, but LeBron comes all the way back and they squeak out a win at the end. This is really LeBron versus the world at this point, and moments where. It's just sad because I think if the Pacers were a better team, they probably would have eliminated LeBron at this point because last night was game five. As we all saw, there was that controversial block that LeBron had on Victor Oladipo, which after the replay and after the end of the game, they essentially were like, yeah, that should have been a goaltend. It wasn't a goaltend. LeBron gets the ball with three seconds left. He jacks a three, game over. I mean, he hits the three at the buzzer. It was LeBron heroics you know, for the ages. And yes, now Cleveland is up three games to two going back to Indiana. But I'm telling you right now, I picked Cleveland to win in six. Then after the first game, I picked Indiana to win in six. I mean, at this point, I'm still picking Indiana to win in seven. I do not have faith in this Cavaliers team. Sooner or later, the LeBron magic is going to wear off. He is going to miss that buzzer beater. That The goaltend is going to get called. I mean, Oladipo has been suffocated enough by LeBron in not all of the games, but in a couple of games that, listen, I think when it comes crunch time and in Indiana, I mean, sooner or later, the chickens are going to come home to roost and this bad defense of Cleveland is going to get the best of them. I'm still picking Indiana to come out of this series. My God, it has been choppy, but if anything, it's been quite a showing to see LeBron actually just carry the team by himself. I mean, I know Kevin Love's out there, and I know, you know, like, they're relying on guys like Kyle Korver and Jose Calderon. That's a bad sign. Now, the Jazz and Thunder. Whoa. Okay, so currently, the Jazz are winning three games to two. Last night was this uh, uh, epic, historic comeback by the Thunder. So the Thunder came out in the first game and blew out the Jazz because Paul George scored 39 points and was 8 from 11 from beyond the arc. So at the end of the season, when Paul George was complaining about how he didn't know where his shot was and his shot wasn't feeling all that good, well, that clearly went away. He created this moniker of playoff P and just, you know, they blew out the Jazz. They had a good game. They looked good. It looked like the talent of the Thunder, which has been all that's carried them all season, was going to overpower this Jazz team. As well as this Jazz team has been coached and as well as they've been playing, again, they don't have the same star power because we talk about Ben Simmons being a rookie. Donovan Mitchell is the rookie who's carrying this fucking Utah Jazz team. I know Ricky Rubio, Rudy Gobert are dominant. Okay, they, they do not go anywhere without those guys, specifically Gobert. But Donovan Mitchell has been the guy who's really been sort of the, the engine that's been making this team go. And his tenacity and his drive and his scoring has really shouldered them. Because listen, Ben Simmons is not shouldering the scoring burden for the Sixers. He's doing everything else. He's facilitating the whole team. But Donovan Mitchell's the guy who's going out and literally scoring 30, 40 points a game. And in this you know scenario, the talent on Oklahoma City was going to overpower them. So game two in Oklahoma, Utah is a tight game. And in the end, they squeak out the win. So it's 1-1 going to Utah. And Utah dominates in game three. I mean, game three, they pretty much ran them off the court and win the game. Game four, again, it was another sort of close, tight-knit, chippy game where you're hoping the Thunder will be able to pull out a victory. But Utah, I mean, I think that was – it was either game three or game four where Ricky Rubio had um, – I think it was game three where he had a triple-double. He had a career night. It was his playoff records for, for Ricky Rubio, and he was just dominant. And then you had Russell Westbrook saying, I got to make sure I put him down this time. And then in game four, Russell Westbrook gets into foul trouble and the Thunder are never able to recover. Carmelo Anthony, dude, I'm sorry, Carmelo. If I ever meet you, no offense, man, but your game has dropped off. You are over the fucking hill, man. It's like it is Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and Steven Adams because you are a complete afterthought. And whenever you're on the floor for this Thunder team, it is hurting them. 
Utah wins three and four, and they take a 3-1 series lead back to Oklahoma. And I'm telling you, I was watching this Thunder game last night in Oklahoma, game five, and the Thunder were down by 25 points. Hell, they were down by 20 points, and that's when I actually turned the game off to go get some dinner. 25 points, they take Carmelo Anthony off the court. They proceed to go on a crazy run. They come all the way back. It is the biggest comeback in NBA playoff history. And Russell Westbrook and Paul George single-handedly brought this team back from the brink of elimination to win Game 7 by about 7 or 8 points and to force a Game 6 back in Utah. So now the series is 3-2. It has clearly been cutthroat, but I'm telling you, Thunder are not making it out of this. They're not making it out of round one. I don't, they cannot pull this magic out for another game. They just can't. I, I can't buy it, all right? It has been scoring excitement and scoring efficiency from Paul George and Russell Westbrook that has been the difference maker in, in this series when they've won the game. And the truth is, I don't think they can replicate that in games six or seven. Maybe game seven back in Oklahoma, but game six in Utah, I don't see it happening. I think Utah is going to take them down in game six. Now, Rockets T-Wolves, this got resolved last night. Rockets eliminated the Wolves in five games. I mean, this was, it, it was, the things we saw was Houston didn't look nearly as impressive as I think they were in the regular season. You know, James Harden had scoring struggles all throughout this series. Like, all throughout this series, it was the same story. First half, he's just shooting terribly. He's missing every shot. The The game is tied, you know, because it's really true as 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 frightening and as dangerous as the Rockets have been, they're not fun to watch. They really aren't. And this T-Wolves team was essentially throwing everything in the kitchen sink at him. I mean, fucking Derrick Rose was doing everything he could. Considering the fact that Carl Anthony Towns was scoring in single digits in games one and two in Houston, you know, Derrick Rose was the only one shouldering the scoring burden. Andrew Wingens is a complete fucking afterthought. I mean, he's a dumpster fire, dude. Everything you could have wanted out of him... I mean, it has really, really missed out. I mean, the guys who've played major roles are guys like Jimmy Butler and Taj Gibson, not guys like Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Crawford or uh, Jamal Crawford, for that matter. So, I mean, Houston, as as listen, as unexciting as they were to watch, they took care of business in the first two games in Houston, and then finally the Wolves woke up and won Game Three, and then Houston just came back out and you know killed them the next two games. And 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 everyone will talk a lot about how uh, and every game was the same. Houston, it's neck and neck at the halftime, and then Houston just blows them out in the second half. Um, very uh, Game four in Minnesota was hallmarked by the fact that Houston scored 50 points in the third quarter alone and put the whole game away right then and there. So Houston right now, it's looking like they're probably going to play uh, the winner of the Utah-Oklahoma City th- series. I think they'll probably want to match up with Oklahoma City, but I think they're going to meet Utah. Utah-Houston, that'll be an interesting matchup. That'll be a very interesting matchup. Um, I kind of am going to give the favor to Utah just because I, or excuse me, uh, Houston, just because I think Utah's perimeter defense is not going to be enough to slow down their three pointers. And I'd really like to see how they, who they have guard James Harden and how they deal with him. And either way, I think it'll be a great series. Um, okay. Coming back to the Eastern conference real quick, Raptors wizards game five was last night in Toronto. It was neck and neck all the way till the end. The Wizards had the lead, and then the Rockets, or excuse me, the Raptors closed out the game in the fourth quarter and won. I mean, it was a convincing win by the Raptors, but, I mean, the reason we're forgetting this team is because, you know, they've sort of, every year we want them to be dominant. I know they had the best season, they had the best record in the Eastern Conference, they had one of their best records, seasons in franchise history, but they are still 
not a shoe in to beat LeBron and the Cavaliers. I mean, they're even having trouble with John Wall and the Wizards, who literally it's John Wall, Bradley Beal, Gortat, and then a handful of other guys who are just trying to figure out how to stay on the floor. I mean, they're playing fucking Ty Loss in 30 minutes, and he was playing in China no more than two weeks ago. So the fact that the Raptors are struggling with this Wizards team, listen, I think it shows you how much talent is on the Wizards, and it also shows you that the Raptors are still not a sure thing. And I just... I mean, I think I think that Cleveland will probably beat the Raptors in the next round. That's my thought. Um, here, just to sum up, let's go through the other two series in the West that were pretty pretty much done pretty quickly. Was the Warriors eliminating the Spurs in five games? Very sad to hear Greg Popovich's wife, Aaron Popovich, passed away after Game Two. Um, Popovich did not coach for Games Three, Four, and Five. Atori Messina, uh, one of his assistant coaches, coached. Um, but this was another situation where you know San Antonio did everything they could. They were coached well. The role players worked. Everything worked, but with no Kawhi Leonard, with no major star power beyond LaMarcus Aldridge and, you know, Ginobili and Parker, you know, this Warriors team, I don't know if they, I don't know if they quote unquote turned it on, but they turned it on enough to at least take out this Spurs team. I mean, for all of the poor play we saw from the Golden State Warriors in the regular season and their lack of Stephen Curry at this point, I mean, they dispatched the Spurs pretty easily. Uh, I mean, the only thing that really came out of it was Game 4 when they were about to sweep them in San Antonio. Ginobili had some magic and stole the game, so they had to go back to Game 5 and beat them in Oakland. But the Spurs, if anything, it's going to be more a question about what will their future hold. Is Kawhi Leonard going to be here next year? Is Popovich going to be there next year? And then for the Warriors, it's really a matter of how quickly is, is Curry coming back? And, you know, how far can this team go without Steph Curry? And how far will they need to go without Steph Curry? And then lastly, it's the Pelicans and the Blazers. Pelicans dominating the Blazers was a big surprise. Uh, I mean, I certainly thought, I thought the Blazers were going to come out with the victory, and I thought that it was going to be a closer series, but New Orleans going to the level they're at right now, Anthony Davis, fucking Drew Holiday, Rajon Rondo, and Miritich, these guys, I mean, they are playing some serious, seriously good basketball right now, and they ran this Blazer team off the court. I mean, I thought this Blazer team was going to try to give them a run for their money with Nurkic, Lillard, and McCollum, but a lot of their other role players couldn't work out. They couldn't They couldn't stop Drew Holiday, and then to go a step further, Drew Holiday was able to play legitimate defense on McCollum and Lillard. I mean, really being able to slow down Lillard with Drew Holiday's defense was probably one of the biggest difference makers in this game, and then their inability to stop Drew Holiday, I mean, listen, Anthony Davis is an absolute monster, but... Then to have Drew Holiday playing just as well, if not better than Anthony Davis, I mean, the Blazers had no answer. I think Terry Stotts is probably going to get fired. I mean, the Blazers, listen, they've got a lot of things to look at because they could trot this same team out next year and probably have the same outcome at the end of the season. So they got to think about making a change if they really want a different outcome. This Pelicans team, Pelicans-Warriors is the next round. Game one's already been set for this Saturday, and um, that's going to be really interesting because... Pelicans are really hot, and the Warriors, I still think, are underperforming. As, as well as they've played, even though they beat the Spurs in five games, I still think the Warriors are underperforming. I still think they're relying on key reserves who I don't know you if you can really rely on them for a full championship run. Guys like Quinn Cook, I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying, can you really rely on him when it gets to the Western Conference Finals? And Iguodala, again, I love Iguodala, but can you rely on him to play as many minutes as they've, have, as they've had him play in the first round? I mean, a lot of commitments. 
And you're seeing guys like uh, Zaza Pachulia is out of the rotation now. JaVale McGee is the starting center. I mean, that's the guy who they use and roll to the rim a lot. And so it's interesting to see this lineup change and to see how the Warriors change without Curry on the floor. Um, I'm really interested to see Pelicans Warriors because I think the Pel- I think the Warriors are going to have a harder time than anyone's ready for. I think Anthony Davis is going to give them a lot of trouble in the post, and I think this series is going to go a lot deeper than anyone's ready for. Um, I'm excited. I'm looking. I'm ready for the sparks to fly. Okay. Uh, that's it. I'm getting out of here. Thanks a lot for listening to Sam Sports uh, Podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple I- on Apple Podcasts. I want to say iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, but it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Uh, like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. And then, of course, email me uh, at my email address, samsportsstation at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Or if you just want to say what's up, and yuck it up with me and talk a little bit of basketball. I mean, I'm here for you, baby. Uh, thanks a lot for listening. I'll be back next week to clue us in on what's been going on with the the NBA playoff run and specifically the Sixers and how far they are. Let's see how things go for them in the second round. And uh, I'm still predicting them to go to the finals. I'm calling right now. They're going to the finals. They're going to take out LeBron and the Cavaliers. I don't know if they're winning the finals, but I'm calling them to go to the finals. All right, I'm getting out of here. Enjoy tonight's game. And uh, I'll be back next week to uh, talk more b-ball. Take it easy. Bye-bye.